Blog Talk Radio. Started no matter what today. Uh, woke up and gremlins are all in the board. Earbuds not working. One thing after another. Hey, it's Saturday morning. Maybe maybe uh, everything's got the uh, coronavirus. Uh, but but hey, we're gonna kick things off anyway. Today we're gonna start in our annual one hour college football talk. And that Rick Riggin is going to be joining us as well as Scott Lamb. And we introduced Scott Lamb last week to the show here. We're going to be talking about some of the games of the week. And I do believe Mo from the BS Sports Show is going to be joining us for a few minutes as well. And then we're going to roll on into uh, racing and another race here at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Great race yesterday. First win for Joseph Newgarden at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Uh, so uh, we'll be talking with Tony Donahue from, and he's calling him down from the Indianapolis Motor Speedway to talk about that. And Steve Wilson of uh, Speedway Digest. It's Talladega weekend with NASCAR, so we're going to be talking about that. And then we roll in into Rig Four with Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles at SI.com, and our official NFL contributor going to be. Rolling in and talking about uh, week four. My name is Tom Mark with El Presidente. I'll tell you what, it can only get better uh, from here, right here on the Balance Radio Network. 917-889-8516 is our digits. We'll be right back.
The Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. I've been playing four on four with a barber shark quartet. Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Yeah. Believe it, Geico could save you fifteen percent or more on car insurance. Morning face. You get is when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mates. Ow! They're one of my eyes. We're moving. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA Sultan mattresses. IKEA, love your home. Welcome back to the balance line. Tom Marpadell, President Day, 917-889-8516 is our digits. And it is time to kick off college football hour. It returns, and we've got us a great panel of experts. Mo from the BS Sports Show, Rick Riggin, and Scott Lamb, all on board to join us. So we'll start with you, Mo. Good morning to you, sir. How is you? Good morning, Tom. I am alive. I'm sick, but I'm alive. You don't have the corona, do you? <laughs> I don't know yet. I hope not. I hope not either, man. I hope not. I tell you what, I've been battling something, man. I'll tell you, it's been crazy. Uh, Rick Reagan, how are you, sir? Pretty good. Hey, Mo, how you doing? I'm sorry that you're good, sick, buddy. but I I think that uh, it's going around because the show started off this way, too, today. Oh, my goodness. I don't <laughs> mean, I, I, it, it was there one minute, and then everything in my ears went blank, and then my board went blank, and... Then they, I basically had to switch over uh, to another uh, laptop and open up and then the board again, and it was a whole whole ordeal. Scott Lamb, how are you, sir? Welcome back to the balance, week number two for you. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm great. Good morning, guys. It's nice to be back on the show. I'm excited to talk some college football here over the next hour. Yep, and that's what we got on tap, and we do this every year. We talk for uh, an hour on college football and. <clears throat> 
and we're going to get it returned. Finally, things are starting to return uh, back uh, to normal. And we'll get into some of these these games of the week. But I want to reflect on last week a little bit, uh, Mo. When we looked at last week's games, we had some good games. And, and we'll give uh, Rick props on some of them. Uh, but we had some good conversations on some of the games. But last week, uh, uh, you know, the SEC opened back up. We had the Big 12. Uh, so uh, what, what were your takeaways from last week in college football, Mo? Well, you know, you saw a lot of the uh, the top teams go down. I was shocked uh, at uh, at Oklahoma. Uh, you know, I really liked their quarterback. Uh, but, you know, you, you see a team like Kansas State usually, you know, not get one upset uh, each and every year. And then that uh, it was a shocking, uh, shocking loss for Oklahoma last week. Well, and, you know, it was a shocking loss for Oklahoma. And I, and I, I attribute that to a lot of different things. And, Rick, I want to hear your breakdown on that game, but I think Oklahoma ended up just beating themselves in that game. Yeah, like the United States uh, air missile defense system cannot fix that defense for, for Oklahoma. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, well, they're at 21, 28 points in the second half, and then what K-State, who is not even a high-power offense, by the way, just, just come, uh, come in and, and, and take the game from them. It, it, it's ridiculous. I, I think Lincoln Riley is still trying to figure out what he has at quarterback and Spencer Rattler. Uh, he's not the assassin yet that Baker Mayfield, uh, Kyler Murray, even uh, Jalen Hurts was. Uh, uh, he'll get there, and I, I think that has a lot to do with it. But really, th- this game, it, it, I think Spencer Rattler did just fine. It was all Oklahoma's defense. Scott Lamb, our Big 12 guru and expert. Scott, what was your takeaway from the Big 12? Uh, what a what a big good win that was for Kansas, uh, Kansas State. And I tell you what, you talk about a team that came back from behind to win a good game and it had a great game. That was one of the the barn burners of the of the weekend, uh, Scott. Yeah, it's, it's not often that uh, K State gets back to back wins against Oklahoma in two straight seasons. Uh, usually, they get they pull the ups at one season, and uh, the following season, Oklahoma takes them to the woodshed. Uh, Deuce Vaughn looked great in that second half, a freshman running back for Kansas State, and he was doing it through the air with 129 receiving yards. A uh, little 5-5 scat back reminds me a lot of Darren Sproles. Uh, we'll see what he can do going forward in his career. Mo from the BS Sports Show, did you catch that uh, that Kansas State game last week? Yeah, I saw a few minutes of it. Uh, you know, I think uh, Spencer Rattler made some uh, obviously untimely turnovers. Uh, you know, he's still a young kid, and then like Rick said, I think Lincoln Riley's still trying to figure out what he's got with him. But, man, he'll give it a little bit of time, and, and this kid's going to be really, really good. You know, the game that I really had my eyes on last week, guys, uh, and we talked about it on the show, was that, that West Virginia-Oklahoma State game. But it just uh, kind of fizzled out. Uh, Rick, what what are your takeaways on that game? Well, that you just can't rely on, on Chuba Hubbard to really uh, – carry the entire team on his back for Oklahoma State. I know they uh, ended up pulling that one out, I believe, but uh, they're going to have to fix that offense because it all just can't be Chuba Hubbard. Let's go ahead and give Rick Riggin credit. Uh, wasn't it Mississippi State that you said uh, would, would pull out a win? Oh, yeah. Over <laughs> yeah, thanks for the early morning, morning uh, ball washing here, Tom. But, yes, I did pick that Mississippi <laughs> State. And uh, – you can just see that with kind of with all the talent that LSU lost and uh, Mike Leach, which is going to come in and uh, just shows 
the SEC stuff they haven't seen yet. In that air raid offense, Tom, yes, that really is a thing. <laughs> so, yeah, that was, you, I could just see that one coming. All right, guys, let's get into some of the games of the week. Probably got Mo uh, here still with us, and, and we'll get to our, our main picking game of the week here in just a minute. Uh, but let's start with you, uh, uh, Scott Lamb, uh, Florida and South Carolina matchup today. What are your thoughts? Yeah, man, Florida looked great last week. Uh, six touchdowns from Kyle Trapp. Uh, I think Florida's going to look great again. Uh, Arkansas, their, uh, their run defense was great against Auburn, um, but – I just I, I don't know uh, with uh, <clears throat> it. I mean, Florida is obviously not going to run the ball. It, they're, they they had that offense rolling, and uh, Kyle Trask could be a sneaky dark horse for the high. Well, what are your thoughts on the Gamecocks and the Gators and the small? Yeah, I mean, you know, like Scott said, Florida is a super talented team. I I don't know that the, the Gamecocks have ever really caught back up talent wise. I like Florida in this game and, and probably probably big. Go ahead, Rick. What are your thoughts on the Gox? I wanted to say Cox, but I'm going to get myself in trouble. Game Cox, Dan Gator. Right, you know, uh, we still need to start that uh, Cox versus Beavers petition, you know, but just a bowl game. I, it doesn't matter what record, who has what record. Just make that a bowl game at the end of the year. Uh, we'll give it some cheesy name. I don't know what to call it. But anyway, yeah, I – Florida, to me, is right there with uh, Georgia and Bama in the SEC. It's a three-man race. Uh, South Carolina won't be much competition this game for Florida because uh, the SEC is going to have an undefeated team and then two one-loss teams. So, that's either, you know, that's between the three, Bama, Florida, Georgia. Uh, right now, I think Bama is probably the, still the class of the conference. going to leave uh, Florida and Georgia up on us. But, I, yeah, it's not going to be much of a game today. It's going to be Florida. Yeah, I agree with you. I think I think we can go across the board, and we are uh, keeping tally of our uh, picks, uh, and we're going to get those up on social media after the show so that everybody can have their appropriate bragging rights. Uh, but I think we've all got Florida. Scott, did you pick Florida as well? Oh yeah, I got yeah, I got Florida. Okay. Kind of thought that you might might have on on, on that game. Well, let's go ahead and, and uh, let's go back over to the Mountaineers and. and I'm still going to stay on the mountain train for right now. Uh, they're playing Baylor, and I know Baylor is a somewhat of a good offense, but I, I, I just, again, I, I'm going to, I'm going to, as they say in the betting, I'm going to go, uh, what's it, or double or nothing or whatever the word is when you bet on the same team twice in a row. So I'm going to go ahead and stick with the with the Mountaineers. Mo, we'll stick with you. Uh, the Mountaineers are in Baylor today. Well, I will uh, I will double down with you, and I'll take this West Virginia team. They're they're a little intriguing to me. You know, I know I know Baylor has been a pretty good team in the past, but uh, I'm going to stick with you. I'm going to double down and take West Virginia in this game. Scott, what are your thoughts on Baylor and West Virginia? Yeah, this one I keep going back and forth on. Uh, Baylor they they had two kick return touchdowns versus Kansas last week, and and it was Kansas. Uh, so that that score, I just really don't know what Baylor still has. In West Virginia, they took Oklahoma State late in their in their game, and uh, I'm not big on Oklahoma State at all. Uh, I, I think West Virginia is probably going to take to pull this one out, so I'm going to have to disagree with Scott. <laughs> so you're going with Baylor? I'm going to go West Virginia. Oh, West Virginia. Okay, I'm you sorry. guys go Baylor. I no, Mo and I have went West West Virginia. So 
Uh, go okay, ahead. So uh, we're Rick. all on the same. Yeah. Rick Reagan, you're up. Go ahead, sir. Well, Tom, you know me. I don't like calling into the show and just being in absolute agreement with everybody. Oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Good pick, sir. I don't like any of that. I think Baylor is, like, sneaky good. Uh, they're still rolling with Matt Rule's players yeah. from last year. They are a really high-powered offense. I think this coronavirus thing and how teams cannot practice over the summer, teams have not got up and going yet to their full potential. Uh, this week three, though, well, we see that the weeks come on three, week four, uh, we're going to see more, uh, you know, what college football should be looking like for, for, for each team. Uh, I'm taking Baylor in this one. I'm taking Baylor by two scores. Hey guys, let's talk a little bit in, in, into the world of sports and the corona, and we look at uh, the NFL, how it's gotten into the NFL. Rick, we'll start with you. How, what are your thoughts overall on how college football across the board, Big 12, ACC, uh, uh, SEC, who, any conferences that are playing now? Uh, we, we've had some cases pop up. Obviously, we saw Notre Dame get postponed, uh, and, and we don't really know the names and there's reasons for that. But overall, what, how do you think that college football as a whole has handled the uh the corona, the screening, and the process is above around that. I think, in large part, it's been a huge success. Uh, obviously, there's some uh, player control issues, you know, during the week and weekends after games. Uh, who's going where and who's doing what? I mean, that, that's one of the rosters, Mo. Maybe you could help me out with that. Aren't they up to like 110 players this year, something like that, on rosters now because of the whole coronavirus? That's hard to keep track of uh, uh, just what every kid, what everybody is doing. You know, when they put the system in place, but, you know, the students have to, student athletes have to, have to have to follow the rules. And when you get one or two to step out of line, uh, and I'm not sure what brought the coronavirus in at Notre Dame, but it's really unfortunate because this is going to be my second week in a row now, not being able to watch them play. But uh, Notre Dame won't be the only team this happens with during the season, I think. I think we're going to see another team. So, but I think overall the season, uh, the way things have been handled has been a success. Well, what are your thoughts how the how uh, college football as a whole has handled uh, the, the the corona? Yeah, you know, I, I mean, I think they've done a pretty good job, but you know, like Rick said, it's hard to corral that many players, especially young kids. You know what I mean? They're they've come to college to play football and have the time of their life, and it's kind of been interrupted. So, you know, it, it's hard to keep 110 college men away from a party after a game or on a weekend. So, uh, you know, overall they've done a good job, but, uh, you know, there have been a couple of programs like Notre Dame that have gotten a little squirrely with guys getting it and how the Notre Dame president has it. Uh, uh, so it's, uh, it, it could be better, but uh, I think overall they've done a pretty good job. Scott, do you have any thoughts on, on how this is handled in uh, college football? Yeah, I, 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 I mean, we're technically going into week five this week. Uh, and overall, it's been a huge success. We still have football going after five weeks. There have been teams that uh, haven't been able to play all their games. You know, Notre Dame for one. Uh, Memphis hasn't played since week one, so four straight weeks they haven't had an opponent. Uh, they'll finally get back on, on it today. Teams that have been affected, Oklahoma was affected last week. Uh, you could tell in the second half with their conditioning on defense and their offensive line. Uh, but overall, I mean, we still have football going after five weeks. Hey, Scott, I want to pick your brain on something, and I know you're you're – you're still in the army, and you're going to be uh, you're going to be leaving uh, the army soon. Uh, now, are you down at Fort Polk? Uh, I'm in Indiana at the moment, but I'm still stationed at Fort Polk. 
Okay. Well, my, my, my thoughts are, and I'm curious, because uh, I know Rick and I were both in the military, and we were obviously pre-corona uh, world. How, it, how is the military as a whole interacting and changing? Because, you know, that's a very hands-on, uh, it's, it's, it's very difficult to social distance. Uh, and what about these drill sergeants? I mean, <laughs> are, they, <laughs> are they having to wear the mask when they're getting in their face at boot camp? You know what, Tom? That's a good point. I, I actually never thought of that. I mean, what happens in basic here? Because I, I haven't thought of that. It's a good point. Good question. So, well, I, I actually just was uh, – I, I just talked to a buddy of mine the other day. He's a, he's a first sergeant over at Fort Jackson. And, uh, man, they're having it rough every cycle. I mean, they're still – you still have the recruits coming. You still have the cycles for the basic training. and uh, But their they're quarantining and isolation situations are – are, are a little different because they're, you know, they still got a job to do. They still got recruits to train, still getting people coming from all over the country and uh, bringing, bringing their illnesses with them. <clears throat> uh, so, so it's tough. He, he's exposed daily uh, and, but, but they're managing it. I mean, there's the job still going on. Yeah. Well, Fort Jackson's a great base. That's where I did my basic training at. So uh, that's a, that's a good place to go have your basic training at. So let's, let's get back on track here. Um, well, let's, let's uh, start here with an, another game and my, uh, my list went away. There you go. I got it back. Let's talk about Oklahoma and Iowa state. Mo, go ahead. Sure. Yes, sir. Um, so <laughs> I, I think, I think Oklahoma rebounds this week, obviously, you know, I, I don't think, I think we see, um, Lincoln Riley work has worked with Spencer Rattler. So I think we see, uh, I don't think we see as many turnovers this week from him. I think we're going to see a stellar performance from this Oklahoma offense. I'm going to take Oklahoma huge in this game by 21. Well, that's a, a pretty big, bold pick because Iowa state had a pretty good showing overall. Um, and neither one of the Oklahoma teams I felt like did very much to brag about last week. But, yeah, hey, we'll go with that. You got Oklahoma by 21. Go ahead, Rick Reagan. Yeah, I'm actually with Mo on this one here. I think it's going to be Oklahoma big. They are not going to repeat what happened last week. And I don't know what's happened with Brock Purdy, the quarterback for Iowa State this year. Last year, towards the middle half to the end of the year, he was talked about being one of the top five, top ten quarterbacks in the country. And then so far this season, it just has not turned out that way. He's having a really bad season. I'm not sure if it's talent that was lost and it's an offensive problem or if teams have just figured him out in his style of quarterback play, but he's not having the year they hoping he would have so far. And uh, it's going to be Oklahoma big on this one. Iowa State, Oklahoma. Uh, uh, Scott, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, Oklahoma hasn't lost back-to-back regular season games since 1999, uh, and it's not going to happen this week either. Uh, they will bounce back. I think they're going to go back to more of a, uh, a traditional ground-and-pound game, uh, get Spencer Rattler comfortable, and uh, they're not going to give up the lead this time. Oklahoma, big. Well, just because I'm going to have to pull Rick Riggin, I'm going to go with Iowa State on this, and I'll probably end up uh, – I like uh, it. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll probably end up uh, eating my words later on. I think it'll be a tight game, but I think there'll be some sort of something, a game turner uh, that will happen late in the fourth quarter for Iowa State. Don't know what that is. I'll know it when I see it. Uh, but I'm going to go with Iowa State on on this, this particular um, uh, matchup. But 
if you want to want to go with the gut, I would also go with Oklahoma. So I I, I think that it's going to be a close game. I'm going to go with Iowa State. Scott, we're going to throw this one to you because it's your team, Kansas State versus Texas Tech. You got to stay on that momentum train there. Yeah, I mean, Alan Bowman at Tech looked pretty good last week against Texas. Uh, he had five touchdowns, but he also threw three picks. Can't turn the ball over against Kansas State in Manhattan. Uh, and I'd like Deuce Vaughn to have another big game. I'm going to take Kansas State, and they're going to cover the two and a half points. Go ahead, uh, Rick. Again, what say you, sir? I want to say defensively, uh, Kansas State slows down Texas Tech a lot because I think Texas, Oklahoma, I don't know what it is to defense those two teams, but what did Texas give up last week to Texas Tech, like 60 points or something like that? Uh, that's not going to be the case today. It's going to be a really good game, a close game, and we'll take Kansas State. Uh, I don't think K-State, if it turns into a shootout, and I know we they came back and, and beat Oklahoma last week, but if it's another game like that, I could see uh, Texas Tech winning this game, but I'm picking Kansas State. Whoa! From the BS Sports Show, uh, Kansas State and Texas Tech, what do you say, sir? I think Kansas State has a little bit of a letdown this week after the big win last week. I like what Texas Tech did last week in a great game at Texas. I'm taking the Red Raiders. I'm taking Texas Tech in this game. Hey, you know that's what? also a good pick, Bo. That's a really good pick. There's really, like, not a wrong pick you can make here in this game, I feel. But I, I got picked once, so I picked K-State. That's a good pick, though. Good uh, good insight. You know, I do like Texas Tech, and I'm not just rolling with Mo, but that is who I am going to pick. I did like the win, and I did like the, the, the comeback from Kansas State last week. And, and I think, you know, they've got a lot of momentum to be rolling on this week. Uh, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Texas Tech as well. Mo, I know we only got you for a couple more minutes, so I'm going to get to our game of the week uh, here at the balance that we've got, and that's Georgia-Auburn. And I know we still got to talk about uh, TCU in Texas, but I wanted to make sure that we got to our game, our, our feature game of the week that we've got picked, Mo. So uh, uh, Georgia and Auburn, sir. Oh, man. You know, I've gone back and forth on this one probably more than any of the other games so far. Uh, you know, two pretty storied programs in the SEC. <laughs> My last thought was Auburn. I'm going to take Auburn in this game. I think it'll be a, a really good game to watch. I think it'll be a close game, but I'm going to take Auburn uh, to win today. All right, we'll go ahead and go over to you, Scott. Go right ahead. Uh, uh, Georgia and Auburn. Yeah, well, Georgia doesn't know who their quarterback's going to be. Kirby Smart can't make the decision. He uh, went with Dwayne Mathis to start last week. <laughs> Against Arkansas, pulled him for the second half for Stetson Bennett, and today he's going to take the uh, the USC transfer JT Daniels to start, and he's also got Carson Beck may play if Daniels doesn't get a good uh, start. Uh, he only averaged two point nine yards per carry against Arkansas, uh, and and I thought Auburn and Bo Nix looked pretty good last week against a strong Kentucky team. I'm going to take Auburn. Rick Reagan, Auburn, and Georgia. Well, I actually feel like since JT Daniels got cleared to play, that he's going to be the starter. Uh, I figured that was going to be the case. They're going to be a dangerous team since he came over from USC because he's a really good quarterback at USC. Uh, I don't know if he's Drake, Jake Fromm like, and he's more athletic than Jake Fromm, uh, Jake from State Farm. So, you know, that Georgia's used to having the past couple of years. If they get rolled with JT Daniels, uh, they're going to be pretty good. But I'm still, I'm sticking with Georgia. I think Georgia. Is up there just a notch under Bama. They're with Florida. I'm taking uh, Georgia in this game because you don't know what Auburn team you're going to get. You don't know. Gus Malzahn 
in some games is like coach of the year, and then the very next game he's like the worst coach in college football. So you don't know what Auburn team you're going to get because of his coaching style. So I'm sticking with Georgia in this one. They're going to run the ball. They're going to pound it down Auburn's throat. They're going to win a close game. Well, I would typically see Auburn because it's a home game, but I, I don't think that matters in, in the world that we're in right now. I do uh, want to piggyback off of uh, Scott's point is they don't know who their quarterback is going to be. That puts them in a vulnerable situation and an opportunity for uh, Auburn defense to, to capitalize on that. So for that, I'm going to ride with Auburn on this. So it looks like everybody's got Auburn except for you, Rick. You you, you, you held true to form, sir. And right. I, I, I refuse to toe the line and, or step the line or whatever. <laughs> I think I screwed that thing all up. <laughs> so, uh, Mo, I know you gotta got to hop off here. So any final words or wisdom uh, for us today, sir? Oh, man, you know, I, I have a lot, but they're not radio friendly. So I will just say, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I will say to do uh, stay away from me. Stay six feet away from me today while I'm out because I don't feel great. Okay. Well, we'll make sure we stay six feet away from you, sir. Appreciate you jumping on with us. I hope you get the Hey, good talking to you again, Mo. <laughs> uh, you guys, too. Have a great college football Saturday. Yep. All right. Open the BS Sports Show. Guys, we're kicking off our, our annual one-hour college football talk. We'll be back with the final half hour right here on the Balance Radio Network. Hi, this is a good one, kind of groovy. National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. Okay, okay. I can't believe it. I've been playing four on four with a barber shark quartet. Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Yeah. Believe it. Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. 
morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Right. No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mace. Ow, they're one my eyes. We're moving. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA, love your home. Almost like a broken record, but TCU, another team that had to change quarterbacks in the middle of the game to be able to get back in the game last week against Iowa State. Uh, they start Max Dugan in the second half. He goes with three touchdowns, and a game that was 16-7 at halftime ended up turning into a 37-34 Iowa State win. Uh, Texas, they were down 15 with three minutes to play last week, and, uh, man, Ellinger looked really good there for the, for the comeback to get the last two touchdowns a tie, and then, the, of course, the game winner in overtime. Uh, I'm still big on Texas, and I'm still big on Ellinger to win the Heisman this year. I'm going with Texas. The Longhorns goes to Scott. Rick Riggin, what say you, sir? Yeah, I'd say for a good time, call 917-898-516 and call in and argue with us. Uh you know, I'm with Scott because we both believe that Texas is going to win the Big 12 this year, and they cannot do that if they can't beat TCU. So, I mean, the pick has to be Texas, and I think they run the score on, on, on TCU. So, just like last week, they're going to score a lot of points. Ellinger looks great. Uh, I think Tom Herman has, like, his offense in place after, you know, it's third year now or something like that. Uh, they got to work on that defense, though, but it's going to be Texas big in this one. You know, I, I'm, I'm on the fence on this one just because I saw both teams kind of have a, a comeback game, didn't really have a solid in their groove game last week. Um, but I, I like Texas. I have to I have to roll with, the, with everybody on this one. So I think we're all going to stick with the Longhorns on this one. Even though it was a good win for TCU last week, I think that this is the week that, that – that Texas definitely gets it done, and I agree with Scott. There could be a Heisman Trophy winner there as well. Certainly agree that Texas can beat the can win the Big 12, and as you said, Rick, they can't do that without beating TCU, and it's going to be a big challenge. But I just I think that overall, uh, in all in all parts of the of the team with the Longhorns, I think they 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 win this game, uh, and maybe not with ease, but I certainly think that this is going to be a game to to, well, to look at to watch. And, and, and Texas can't bite themselves in the foot. Last week they they shank a punt in the first half, gives Texas Tech a short field. Uh, they have another one that's returned for a touchdown late in the second half. Uh, I mean they, they're special teams and they're, and they're punting you, and they got to give they they can't put their uh, their their team in a hole like that. And I don't think they do. 
and I lost the link or something, Rick. But you sent me a text yesterday afternoon, something about like, this kid's going to be highly recruited, and I wanted to talk about it, but I somehow lost the link. Uh, so who was it that you sent over, and I'll talk about that. Well, it wasn't a link. It was it was Arch Manning. He, you know, oh, he's okay. uh, Cooper Manning's uh, son. You know, obviously uh, nephews to uh, Peyton and Eli. Uh, he's a sophomore. Made his debut last week. Uh, threw six touchdown passes in his debut game as a sophomore. So I don't know how recruiting exactly works. I know he's already talked to teams. I think he can actually commit as a junior. I don't think he could sign until he's a senior. But uh, I was talking with Scott, texting with Scott yesterday. It's definitely going to – he's going to go to an SEC team. I was like, please, anywhere but Bama. Uh, But I could see Ole Miss or or Tennessee. He's going to follow his uh, uncle's footsteps, I believe, one of those two teams. Well, I I would hope so. You would think so, anyway. And he certainly has the pedigree and the ability to – to, to get that done. Speaking of Tennessee, they yeah, got a good Yeah, I was, I was going to add, I, I just think the last name anymore is going to recruit itself. So he, he could just be a long snapper and he's going to go, he's going to get drafted. <laughs> well, so. and, 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 that, and that bloodline's not too bad either. They, some of them said that, that Cooper was the best, uh, best athlete in the, in the, right, in the family. Yeah, he was and, a receiver. Uh, he, he, was, he was a standout wide receiver. He was, so he had that back injury. Right. That's great. Very good. Well, speaking of Tennessee, they got a pretty good game at home against Missouri, so we'll start there. Scott, what are your thoughts, Missouri at Tennessee? And Tennessee, so right now they got the SEC's longest winning streak at seven games. Uh, but I mentioned last week that they always seem to underperform. They went one for 11 last week on third downs against South Carolina and barely won that game. Uh, I, I do like them to beat Missouri. Think, think they're, they're fortunate they have a, a soft game this week to try to figure out how to move the ball. Uh, so I do think they get the win, but uh, man, Tennessee—they—they they, they got the longest winning streak. They'll keep it going, but it's not going to last long. Rick, what are your thoughts? The Tigers and the Volunteers. Well, I already have to make a correction here. Uh, Notre Dame has the nation's longest win streak at eight games. No, uh, no, no I, I see where you're at. I, I see where you're at. <laughs> so, as Notre Dame has the longest win streak in the country now at eight games. Uh, you know, the, the show producers, uh, Melissa's team, Tennessee, they just uh, extended Jerry Pritt. So, uh, just like last week when I said if he wants to meet and exceed that extension, they're going to have to win games like this. But I, I think uh, it's going to be no problem. Uh, Mizzou is just uh, – they're not down there at Arkansas Vandy level, but uh, definitely not. They don't have the horsepower to keep up with Tennessee today. So, Tennessee is going to roll in this one. You know, Clay Travis has his college football shirts out now. So we're going to order a uh, college football Bloomington and a college football Knoxville. So it's going to it's going to happen. So get you a Clay yeah, Travis. Yeah, I did see that. Uh, he's having a rough uh, rough week, you know, because uh, you know his boy President Trump now has coronavirus, and uh, his uh, favorite football team in NFL has the the corona outbreak, and he's been a uh, the coronavirus positivity. You know, all this time, and uh, he's he's uh, he's having a rough week. I tell you what, it, it, it it's something, it's something, it's crazy, and and I, I I'll be so glad when we can get past all of this. It's not a political thing, you know. People seem to think that come November after the election, the corona is going to go away, and it's I don't see that happening at all. And I I, I see myself working from home on into next year. I haven't. I haven't had to go into the office. I went into the office one time. Man, lucky since, you. <laughs> yeah, I haven't even had to put pants on, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. 
<laughs> hey, Scott, what, what do you think about North Carolina State and, and number 24, Pitt? Uh, I think that line's a little little too large. It's at 14, favor for Pitt right now. Uh, I do think Pitt wins, but I don't think they're going to cover 14 against NC State. NC State's not great, uh, but I, I don't think Pitt can cover. Rick, they will win. Yeah, I, I, I'm with him on that one. Uh, Pitt's going to win. I don't know if they're going to cover that 14. They won a close one last week against a team they should have destroyed. Uh, I, I think Pitt's one of the top half teams in the ACC. I think they're going to win this game. Uh, but uh, they looked a little shaky last week, and I'm with Scott. They win, but do not cover. Yeah, I like Pitt in this game as well. But I'm going to go against the grain because I think North Carolina State um, has some uh, weapons in their arsenal that can – Oh, you're just saying that because Phillip Rivers is a Colts quarterback. Quit it. (laughs) (laughs) True. This is true. So, um, going on to another game, let's talk about Cincinnati. Let's recap last week. Uh, Scott, we'll start with you. Cincinnati had Army last week. What were your takeaways from that game? Yeah, well, it was if if Army is going to have a chance to win, they got to hold the ball for 40 minutes. Uh, They got to keep possessions to a minimum. Uh, they couldn't do that against Cincinnati. Cincinnati was able to pull it out. I think they won by 12. Uh, I really like Cincinnati coming from the group of five. Uh, I, I, think, I think they don't have any problem this week against South Florida. Uh, and excited to see one of these group of five finally make it to a playoff this year is, is kind of what I'm hoping for. Rick, what are your thoughts? South Florida, Cincinnati, Bearcats. Yeah, like you know, I just said earlier, I don't like coming in on the show and just agreeing with everybody. But me and Scott are in agreement here, too. We've even talked about this uh, off air a few times. Uh, this is the season to have a group of five team in, and my pick is Cincinnati. Uh, I'm looking forward down the road that Cincinnati-UCF uh, game. That's going to be that's going to decide it right there. But when you have two of the non-power fives and not playing a, a full schedule, uh, this will be the best time, the best year to uh, – have one of those group of fives in. I think that team is going to be Cincinnati. Well, again, I'm going to have to agree with you on this. And I don't follow South Florida a lot to really know uh, a formative form of them. But I know for a fact that Cincinnati is a very strong team that can beat South Florida. So, uh, for that, I'm going to have to well, – Yeah, not, not to catch you off, but uh, Notre Dame just beat South Florida. You know, last time Notre Dame played, actually, is 52 to nothing. Now, I mean – Cincinnati doesn't have the lines that uh, Notre Dame has, obviously, you know, because Notre Dame's offensive line is one of the best in the country, and they just they just push South Florida around over the field. Uh, South Florida won't run into that against Cincinnati. Uh, they'll put on the, I mean, they got to at least score some points, right? But they're still not going to – they're going to lose pretty big to Cincinnati. Scott, you know, we can't uh, have college football without talking about Alabama. Uh, <laughs> they they take on Texas A and M. Do we see anything exciting in there that's going to make us say, "Wow, this is going to be the 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 win of the week. This is going to be the big win of the week. This is going to be the upset of the week." Or Texas A and M upsets Alabama at home. And this game, if if you would have looked back a couple of weeks ago, A and M was a preseason top ten, uh, and this could have been a huge game this week. Uh, but they were 31-and-a-half-point favorites last week and went by five against against Vanderbilt. Uh, that's that's just huge letdown there, and Najee Harris looks great. There's going to be a non-quarterback to win uh, the Heisman this year. It's going to be Najee Harris of Alabama. Uh, went for three touchdowns against Mizzou and only about 30 minutes of work. Uh, I, I really like Alabama in this game. There's no problem. I think A&M was overrated, and 
uh, that was just a huge uh, look-ahead game last week against Vandy, and they, they should have used that game to get rolling a little bit. Rick, uh, Texas A&M and Alabama. Yeah, Jimbo's still looking for his biggest signature win at, at A&M, and they <laughs> that game last week against Vandy was, was that, that was crazy, or when they played Vandy. But they have a way of showing up in these big games. Now, I'm taking Bama in this game, but look at the uh, the last two years, these uh, first couple weeks of the season where A&M's played Clemson, and both of them were, I think, decided by less than a touchdown. They have a way of showing up. Jimbo has a way of coaching up his players for these big games. They don't have the horsepower to uh, to beat Bama, but I think it's going to be closer, closer than the experts think. Well, I think Alabama's going to win this. I don't see anything that's going to surprise me on, on this one. But uh, you're right, Texas A&M was uh, rated in the, in, in the top ten at the beginning of the season. And, but at home, I, it's, you know, it's Alabama. Come on. I, I'm not even and, a Bama. And, I know. And, yeah, I didn't mean to cut you off. It's just hard for me because after this whole coronavirus thing and the way all these teams show up looking flat and just – I, I can't just like my prediction off. Okay, they beat Van, Vandy by five, so therefore they're going to lose the to Bama by seventy nine points or something. Uh, I mean, now that they got to hit somebody else, which is really big. Okay, finally. So going into Bama, uh, it, it's going to be a different A and M team. Now they've got to taste blood a little bit, right? So and Bama's the same way. Uh, Bama might work on things that they didn't like in their first game, and that might actually be like the wrong game plan. It's hard to say, you know, because Nick Saban uh, put the wrong game plan. But I I think it's going to be closer than what people are thinking. Fun fact trivia, what U.S. president is buried at Texas A&M? George H.W. Bush. Bush. George Bush Sr., that is very correct. You all are smart, smarter (laughs) than the average bears. Scott, let's talk a little bit about two games happening down in the South. That's Arkansas Razorbacks against Mississippi State. Uh, we'll we'll get to Rick to talk about them, but uh, obviously he saw something that he liked last week, and I think he was the only one out of all of us that picked Mississippi State. Uh, but Arkansas on the road against Mississippi State. Now, how good did, how good did KJ Costello look against LSU last week? First game in the SEC for him and Mike Leach, and he gets a record 623 yards against LSU. Uh, Arkansas, man, their their run defense looked great against Auburn. I, I thought Arkansas played a really good uh, first 40 minutes of football, uh, and then Auburn was finally able to pull it out. Uh, but I'm, I'm curious, well, now that the book is out, I, I can't believe that Mississippi State and Mike Leach took anybody by surprise. He's only been doing it for a couple decades. Uh, but let's, let's see what that offense does against Arkansas. they got a great run defense, but unfortunately Mississippi State's not going to run the ball. Rick, what are your thoughts? Arkansas, yeah, State, uh, State with the Mississippi State. Scott's exactly right. I mean, it, they're not going to run the ball. It's called an air raid for, for a reason. Uh, he's going to probably throw 500 yards this week. He's going to take he's going to take a breather a bit and maybe just put up 500 yards uh, passing. So it's going to be Mississippi State big in this one. So with the return of the Big Ten coming here soon, guys, what are your thoughts about how that's going to impact as far as and, and, and what are our thoughts on how they're going to handle bowl games? Because as, as teams start coming back to include Notre Dame, I mean, I think Notre Dame is rated five, Ohio State's rated six. Uh, what, where are we going to be at when we get down to 
uh, the end of the year, we'll start getting into to the bowl season with the Big Ten coming back. Uh, Scott, we'll start with you. Well, with the Big Ten and the Pac-12, they're both coming late to the party. We saw when the Big 12 came out in their first week, there's a lot of, a lot of shaky football. Uh, SEC didn't – I mean, there, there was the same thing, a lot of shaky football last week. They just didn't come out firing all cylinders. It's going to take the Big Ten a week or two, and I don't know if they have that much season uh, to avoid a couple big upsets early in their schedule. Same thing for the Pac-12 when they come. It's going to be rough going for them uh, coming in with short schedules. Uh, they better come out firing all cylinders. Hopefully they're practicing uh, and, and they're ready to go. Uh, but c- coming late to the party, uh, it's, it's not looking good for those other two Power 5 conferences. Rick, what are your thoughts on how we're going to end up at the end of the year? I thought you would never ask because uh, <laughs> this is where uh, I'll tell Scott here some controversy coming on this show today, and this is the perfect thing, perfect subject for you to ask. Because here it comes right here. I think the uh, deep, dark secret in college football is that the Big Ten is not playoff eligible. That's not public knowledge yet. It will be later in the season. Think about it. If Clemson goes undefeated, uh, Texas goes undefeated, then you have – let, let's say Florida and, and Bama are undefeated all the way to the SEC championship game, and Florida beats Bama. Then you have undefeated, undefeated Florida, undefeated Clemson, undefeated Texas, and a one-loss Alabama. And do you absolutely believe that they're going to take a 9-0 and Ohio State and put them in over – a one-loss Bama that's played 13 games, it ain't happening. And when the time no. comes, when the time comes, uh, the other conferences are going to have a say in this. So uh, I think Ohio State is playing for the Rose Bowl, whoever they're going to throw in the Rose Bowl against them. Uh, the Big Ten, Pac-12, will not be playoff eligible. Uh, it's not public knowledge right now because I think I think the Big Ten the, and the, the NCAA are just taking a breather from all the petitions and protests and lawsuits. Uh, this is nice. Everybody's talking about the Big Ten coming back. But when we get down to it later in the year, they will not be playoff eligible. And that's you, – you're going to see it. And then we'll start the whole uh, protest uh, cycle all, all, all over again. Well, you mentioned two or three teams uh, being undefeated, you know, and, and you're just going to chalk on that right now because I, I'm wondering what happens if they don't go undefeated. So, Scott, what are your thoughts? Uh, Go ahead. Well, and, and that's saying that we can get a full slate from the Big Ten or the Pac-12. As, I mean, we've seen a number of teams already have to postpone games. Uh, if, if, you know, one of the Big Ten favorites comes out and they have to postpone a game or two, that's going to that's gonna hurt on that resume. Uh, you got you got someone like Central Florida uh, who's, you know, knocking in on the top ten right now, uh, and, and they're, they're, they're not playing a bunch of cupcakes. I mean, that's, their, their conference over there in the AAC is – it's looking pretty tough, all solid, all the way through. They, they're going to have a resume to save in the fight. Go ahead, Rick. Did we lose Scott? Yeah, well, something. Nope. Hey, we had dead air. Oh, anyway, uh, <laughs> you're going to ha- you're, you're going to have two to three uh, undefeated teams, and that's going to leave a whole handful of more one-loss teams, right? That's played 12 games. But some of these one-loss teams are going to play 13 games. How do you put a team in? That's only played nine games over these teams just because, you know, and I know Adam Jividen a couple of weeks ago said it's the eyeball test. It looked like they could be there. Well, fine. Well, Notre Dame just beat South Florida 52 to nothing a couple of weeks ago. That's eyeball test for me saying they're good enough now to be in the, in the playoff, you know. So what's the eyeball test do? Uh, you have to go off your resume. And playing only three-quarters of the schedule everybody else played, I think this year isn't going to do it. 
And I believe when the time comes, this, this really is the dark secret right now in college football, is the Big Ten is not going to be playoff eligible. And uh, it's, it's for those reasons I just mentioned. I mean, uh, take this scenario. What if uh, Clemson beats Notre Dame during the regular season here in November and then Notre Dame beats in the ACC championship game? Are you going to leave the ACC champion out of the playoff? I don't think so. And then you can't leave one loss Clemson out either. So and couple that talk. with uh, Cincinnati, who could be undefeated, and then undefeated Bama, and then undefeated Texas. I mean, what do you do? There's no room for Ohio State or any of the Big Ten teams getting in, only playing you know nine games. Rick, let's take let's take this thought though. You talked about uh, uh, Notre Dame and Clemson later on in the season. They keep getting these games postponed. Um, is Notre Dame going to be eligible for playoffs? If, if they can't play their games because they, they keep getting postponed, that'll be held against them. Yeah, yeah, they will be because they're still playing like they're they're still going to the game is postponed to later in the year, right before the ACC championship game. So uh, they're still playing their twelve games, and then if their record's good enough, I think it will be to make the ACC championship. That would be their thirteenth game. They're still playing their full slate of games. Now, Notre Dame's case, they cannot have any more misfires here because if they have to cancel another game, then there will be one less than everybody else in the ACC, and maybe they won't be playoff eligible. But in order for Ohio State to be eligible, I, several teams are going to have to, like, miss some games here. And I know uh, the trend right now isn't like the, that. that's not going to happen. I mean, I just think when it comes down to it, you're going to have so many – uh, one-loss teams that's played at least 12 games, and you're going to have a couple, two or three undefeated teams. There's really there's not going to be any room for for a team that's played only nine games. I mean, it's just that's the secret in college football right now, and that's my story I'm sticking to. And I, and I, I wish that I want somebody to call in and change my mind on this. Nine one seven eight eight nine eight five one six. I've been trying to kind of tweeting this out past couple weeks, uh, but I like to hear from from people because I, I think I'm right. I think that is the secret right now in college football, and I, I just think it's not public knowledge, like I said, because they're taking a breather from all the uh, protests and petitions and lawsuits and everything they faced by uh, announcing that they weren't going to play a couple months ago. Well, one thing, one thing's for sure, and, and Scott will let you chime in on this. If this was a perfect season and no corona and no postponement and this was a regular season, uh, there would always be that bowl-eligible controversy. There's always going to be that. They can never get it right for whatever reason. And even when they went to the playoffs, that we, we keep saying they need to extend it to six teams, maybe eight teams, but that's not going to happen anytime soon. So it's bound to happen. There's going to be some controversy out there. But when we look at, okay, we talk about the Big 12, that's your, your group. What do you do with the Big 12 champion? Let's say it is Texas. and Let's say Texas wins the, the Big 12. What what do you do with them when it comes uh, to bowl eligibility? Well, they, for, for Texas, I mean, they have to run the table. They're just not rooting this year for a team not to and get into the playoffs. You you can maybe win the SEC championship, or like Rick said, maybe Clemson and Notre Dame split. But whoever wins that ACC championship, they go. The loser does not go. There's not room for two teams from one conference. You're not going to get the at-large bid this year. It's uh, Every year we get one of the power fives are always out. Uh, you're never going to get a group of five in unless maybe it's this year they go undefeated. Uh, but with the reduced slate of games, uh, we don't even know if the big team goes and plays a full schedule. You have teams that if, if they drop out or, or they got to drop a game, 
you're just not going to be room. You have to have a full resume as much as you can, and you're going to have to be undefeated. Um, that or you're going to be a one-loss team that won your conference championship. Only way you're getting in. So, Rick, you know, to talk about the Big Ten's concerns and one reason why they, they came back late was this whole uh, corona and uh, COVID-19 and the, the, the fear of the breakout. Now, what happens, and we just play worst-case scenario here, what happens if we have a major breakout in the NCAA college football world? Well, they, they say, well, this is it. This season is done. We'll, we'll come back next year. There is no champion. Uh, what happens when we, when we do that? Yeah, if, that is what's, if there's a major breakout like you're saying, then I think the NCAA does just shut it all down. And, uh, and, and all these conferences like the ACC and, you know, Big Ten and uh, – Notre Dame, they they all like, hey, this pandemic, we 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 gave it a shot. We tried, we tried to do something, we tried to play, and they take the win because they tried. But yeah, they would shut everything down. Uh, my question is though about the Big Ten, and I've always uh, just wondered this. Two months ago, when they said, yeah, we're not playing, and I don't know what data they were looking at, but how do they know it was uh, it, it it's safer this month, later this month, to play than it was two months ago when they said they decided to shut it down. You know, what what changed? Because uh, we're seeing state by state here, a lot of these states, the, the, the uh, infection rates are climbing. So I, I just want to know why they thought well, it wasn't as safe two months ago than it is like this month. You know you know what I mean? I think the reality of it is they, they, they probably wouldn't have came back if they didn't just get so much pressure from everybody in the media, the president of the United States, uh, if they didn't get so much pressure, I don't know that they would have uh, came back. All right, guys, we're out. I think you're right. We're almost out of time here. College football hour is down to one more minute. And uh, so we're going to uh, give the final words out. Go ahead there, uh, Scott. Uh, what are your final words? Yeah, just a final quick word to uh, piggyback off that last conversation, though. I think we saw how little power the NCAA actually has over all these conferences. Uh, you're talking about $100 million uh, programs that uh, for these universities. Uh, SEC made a decision real quick. They didn't care what the NCAA said. We're playing. ACC, same thing. Uh, that's just a thought of mine. I don't think the NCAA has the power that they used to have. Rick Reagan, what are your final words of wisdom, sir? Yeah, you could just uh, hit me up on Twitter at Reagan underscore Rick. Uh, I, I do believe that's a dark secret in college football. The Big Ten, uh, obviously the Pac-12 is not going to be eligible. The Big Ten is not also uh, also not going to be playoff eligible. So hit me up at that Twitter handle, uh, questions or arguments, and definitely call in the show. Uh, we'll be back on it here. Uh, actually, I won't be on next week at all. I mean, I'm going to Florida. Call in and uh, argue with Scott next weekend. <laughs> and Tom, nine one seven eight eight nine eight five one six. All right, guys. He'll, he'll be in yeah. Florida, but he'll still call. <laughs> yeah, I'll be driving. I'll probably still will call though. <laughs> All right, guys. It's been real. We'll be talking with you soon, and have a good weekend. And we'll be uh, rejoining again next week, sir. All right. Enjoy your weekend. <laughs> See you. Have a good one, right. buddy. Rick Riggin and, and Scott Land joining us for our college football hour. My name is Tom Mark with El Presidente. We'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network as we get on the racetrack at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. <laughs>
National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. I can't believe it. I've been playing 4-on-4 four four with a barbershop quartet. Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Yeah. Believe it. Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance morning face you get is when you don't sleep well this is what happened to linda morning guys good morning ah, what is that thing it's me linda oh my god it talks Run! no it's me linda from hr it looks hungry save the children save them stay back i've got moving. it's called beauty sleep for a reason and there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA, love your home. Give me fuel, give me fire, give me that which I desire. All right, welcome back to the Balance One Hour of the Books. We just finished our college football hour with Rick Riggin and Scott Lamb and Mo from the BS Sports Show uh, breaking down our, our games of the week, and we'll get all those picks up on social uh, media. But joining us now, Tony Donahue. And, Tony, have you made it out to the track yet? I'll run our way. We're heading out there at 1020 as that first qualifying session, so we'll uh... – We'll be there shortly. I'm cruising down 30th Street now. All right, all right, all right. Uh, how's the traffic uh, situation as compared to other race uh, days that, that have happened in the past? Oh, uh, yeah, we're all good. I mean, with only 10,000 fans <laughs> and race doesn't start for another four and a half hours, it's it's been smooth sailing. I tell you what, we're talking with Tony Donahue of the Tony D Podcast. We talked to Mindy Carr, the Harvest GP uh, out of Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Uh, we had a great race yesterday afternoon. Great race. Uh, certainly a good podium finish there. Great first win for Joseph Newgarden. His very first win at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. That's uh, got to be something special for him. Even if it's not the 500, it's still a win at Indianapolis. Yeah, you know, it was a great race despite there not being any yellow flags. Um, it was very racy. There was 250-plus passes throughout the field. Um, I think with the cooler temperatures, the cooler track temperatures, that, that made for optimal grip and being able to uh, kind of close in on the guy in front of you and make some passes. Alexander Rossi kind of got screwed. 
with another bad penalty that I didn't agree with that might have cost him the win. But I think once Joseph Newgarden got in and out of the pits as quickly as he did, uh, him and his Penske teammate Will Power seemed to be able to stretch the fuel and go about a lap or two longer. Over those first two cents to uh, push their, their, their lead, Will Power kind of struggled. He got caught up in traffic, but uh, Joseph Newgarden had perfect pit stops all day. Smooth sailing. Rossi was on the charge late. Uh, he, you could tell he was mad in the car. You could tell he was mad in the post race. Uh, he ends up second and, and a great run for the pole center. Uh, Renus VK, his first career podium, backing up his first career pole. Um, you know, with 20 years old, he's, uh, he's, he's a bright star that's being born in front of our eyes here in the NTT IndyCar series. And, and him and uh, another rising star, a guy who's already made his mark in the sport, even though he's only 20 years old, Colton Herta. Uh, they were battling Colton, let, let a lot of laps yesterday. So uh, there was, uh, you know, Joseph Newgarden's right in the middle of that 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 old that old veteran that can still get it done, and that young gun. Uh, but the two young guns behind him were uh, Brian or Brian Herta's kid and Colton Herta, and Renus VK. And Renus VK scores uh, first podium finish for Ed Carpenter Racing this season. First podium finish for Renus VK in his young career. I tell you what, it was a really exciting race uh, to watch the entire the entire race. And you know, Colton Herta had a a great handle on that race, so pretty much close to the end. In fact, at one point, I pretty much had, it said in my mind, "Well, this is going to be Colton Herta's Herta's race." What kept him off the podium yesterday? Um, yeah, you know, it all came down to really the push to pass, and on that last stint when he came out in second place. He only had about 10 seconds left of the push to pass while Rossi and VK and Will Power, those guys behind him, had, had, had more pushes, had more time left in their, in their boost to the engine, the horsepower boost that you get by kind of hitting the turbo button like you would if you're running over a mushroom playing Mario Kart. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, and that, that really that, that cost him. He, he got caught up in some traffic. Rossi tracked him down. VK tracked him down. Uh, Will Power and Dixon were right there as well. So I uh, really just came down to just not having the horses behind them like everybody else did, uh, and that that delegated him back to what a fourth place finish yesterday. So um, you got to you got to be careful with those push the passes. You got to be able to use them at optimal times. And and uh, he was just kind of a sitting duck, knowing that he came out of the pit second with I think 11 seconds left on the push the pass, and everybody else at about 30 to 40. So. Uh, I mean, that, that really was the difference between a podium finish of second. I think Newgarden, like I said, once he got out that last pit stop so far ahead, he was going to set sail. It was a battle for second. And once uh, Colton Herta got out there with the with, with, with less push to pass, he was a sitting duck with some of those guys that pounced on him. How weird was it to see Elio Castroneves in a non-Pinsky car at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway yesterday? Oh, yeah. I mean, that was – you know, that was, that was crazy. Um, you know, it's something that, you know, a lot of fans probably have never seen in their entire life. I mean, you got to think, you got to go back to two. I mean, he's only ran for Penske at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Now, if you're a, a cart champ car fan back in the late nineties, he was running for Ray Hall Hogan then moved over to Penske, but that's all IndyCar fans, you know, IRL at the time knows Elio Castro. I, mean, I thought he did okay. Um, he's obviously auditioning for a full-time role next year. Um, in the series with possibly McLaren or possibly another team that that might catch his eye. But that, um, you know, I, I, it, it was definitely weird, but he kept it clean. He had an off, I think, in, in, in practice. But other than that, I mean, he kept it clean and uh, did what he had to do to stay, you know, stay relevant, I guess, and, and 
in front of the eyes of, of people come free agency because there's a lot of free agents like Elio Castro Neves. Uh, Juan Pablo Montoya will probably throw his name back into the ring, and then you got guys like, you know, James Hinchcliffe that are battling for another spot. Yeah, absolutely, and it it'll, it would be it would be cool to see a, a name like Elio Castaneda back uh, in in the series. And I, I wonder though, and, and I, with much respect to Elio, certainly uh, one of the greatest uh, IndyCar drivers to ever race the race. But I wonder how important is it that they are in a car just to remain relevant, or is this? I mean, at some point, maybe they just say, you know, let's let's call it a retirement. Uh, what, what are yeah, I mean, I think Elio thinks I think Elio thinks that he still has um, that in the tank as far as being able to go out and compete and being able to go out and 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 win IndyCar races and be competitive. So, um, you know, he's in a good car. I mean, that that Aero McLaren car has proven. I mean, Oliver Askew's had some good runs, which has kind of mostly has ended in bad luck as far as. You know the accident, Indianapolis Motor Speedway, a couple other, a uh, couple other incidents. So um, it will be interesting to see, you know, with with Elio Castro Neves, what he can do uh, today uh, with, with with a little bit more experience under his belt, um, heading into today's race um, with that team because it takes a whole weekend to. How you doing, man? Uh, it takes a full weekend to be able to go out there and and just just make adjustments, believe in your team, get everything just right. Because like you said, it's been how long, you know, 20-some 20, 20 years that he that he's been with another team where he's used to Rick Mears on the box above him. He's used to, you know, Roger Penske telling him what he needs what he needs to do, and he just simply didn't have that. So it's, it's going to take the full weekend, so we'll see if we see some uh, some impressive changes and in, in charges towards the front today out of LEO. So Joseph Newgarden's win yesterday uh, put a pretty good gash in the points leading with uh, Scott Dixon. So Scott Dixon certainly knows his way around the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Very good on the road trip tracks. We look for him to make some sort of return today. Uh, talk with us about the Iceman Scott Dixon over there at Chip Kanowski. Well, Elliot, or sorry, with Scott Dixon, you know what happened was in, in qualifying on Thursday, he just kind of got caught out. He had a bad lap and he came in to change tires, as everybody else was going to. And Takuma Sato had the off, and it kind of ended the session. So he was kind of caught going, okay, well, you know, we thought we were going to have a good run. We thought we were going to be able to go back out, change tires, get on the reds and, and go quicker. That didn't happen because of Sato's incident. So he, I mean, for lack of a better term, he kind of got screwed in qualifying and you got to be up front to win this race. You got to, you got to qualify. Usually you're in the first four rows um, of, you know, of qualifying. We saw, um, you know, back, back in, back when they ran the double header with the NASCAR, we saw Dixon come up from eighth, but uh, he was on the charge, and he got blocked pretty bad by Will Power late in that race yesterday. So when he got blocked, it kind of pushed him back, lost a lot of momentum, and he was just what I like to call over-digging him, and he was digging for a couple more spots, knowing that Joseph was in the lead, and Will didn't give him any room, knowing that Joseph's chasing him in the points, and ended up costing Scott Dixon um, probably a fifth-place finish, and he delegated himself back to ninth. So that's that's massive in the points. Now he can still wrap it up today by I think outscoring Joseph Newgarden by 15 points to wrap up this sixth championship, which would be cool to do at Indianapolis. I think that'd be that'd be, that'd be a lot of fun. Um, but we'll see if he can do that. And it all starts with qualifying. And sometimes you just you get bit by that bad luck bug, like he did in qualifying on Thursday, while Joseph Newgarden went out and, and captured the pole. So. Again, this qualifying session that starts here in about 10 or 15 minutes is going to be super important because not only is it going to lay 
you know, lay lay the foundation of what's going to happen in today's race. It could also lay the foundation on if Scott Dixon clinches a championship or if Joseph Newgarden continues to chop into that lead like we saw him do yesterday. So we look at October race, and, and this is the first time we've ever had an October race uh, with uh, at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Um, so it's a little bit different uh, setup for teams at uh, uh, race trim and so forth, uh, track temperatures. What do the teams need to do to set up for qualifying in October as opposed to, say, August or May? Well, that's what we were, you know, what I just was talking about with qualifying on Thursday. You know, you got it takes a it takes a lap or two in qualifying to get those temperatures right um, to snuff when it comes to making sure that they're warm, making sure you're not going to hit the gas and it's going to step out on you and the back end's going to step around. Um, so you, it takes a lap or two to get heat into those tires, and then you can lay down a qualifying lap. By that time, you're probably halfway through the session. You come down pit road, change tires onto the reds, which are going to be faster up front. So you probably lay one lap down to get them warm, and then that second lap. So you really only have you, – you may go out for qualifying and run five or six laps, but you may only have two or three, more than likely two banker laps is what they call them, that are going to be your chance to qualify up front and get on the pole. So you got to make sure you get those tire temperatures right. you got to make sure that – you know, there's some luck involved, too. There's no drivers that spin off. There's no red flag to end the session, and that's what happened and caught out Scott Dixon on Thursday. What kind of visible changes or as far as improvements go at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway are most noticeable to you that you've been out there now that you've been out there? Well, the first thing that's, that's the most noticeable is the sound system and the new uh, music playlist that Roger Penske has put together. It's pretty good. It goes anywhere from Motley Crue to – to highway to the danger zone, the Top Gun theme, to to some new stuff um, that that we've heard. So that's been loud. Um, you know, to be honest with you, I'm in a suite yesterday and today. So I pull up into the parking lot and I take five steps into the into the gates and I'm I'm there. And you can't really move around. You can't really check things out. But there are some good, clear, visible um, video, video boards. Um, Roger Penske has been out and about. You know, giving fist bumps, saying hello to people, thanking people for coming. Um, so. We'll really get a we'll really get a look at the visibility, cha- the visible changes around the track when you can go into the infield and you can walk around aimlessly, yeah. not to worry about COVID, and you can see that big that new big screen that's inside Pagoda Plaza. You know, one of the things that I noticed yesterday was the first time I, I've actually seen it in action per se, uh, because I hung out outside the gates at the Indianapolis uh, 500, uh, so I didn't really see this in action, but the but the uh, uh, victory lane elevator that elevates the car all the way up uh, to the podium, I think that's really cool, and that's going to be really something neat to, to see in person when I get a chance to, to get uh, back out there. How, how, uh, how complex was that to put together? Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's super cool. It's one of those things where it takes a little bit longer to get the driver into where he needs to go in victory circle, but at the end of the day, it's, 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 it's cool. It's, it, it gives a, the fans a chance to see him elevated, get out of the car and celebrate it, where when he was down on, on ground level, let's say, that, that, that simply, you know, you couldn't really see. But with the fact that, you know, it's, it's elevated and things are, um, things are there, more visible for the fans, I think that's what Roger Penske is going for is more fan-friendly, more fan engagement. And, uh, you know, that's, that's, certainly, that's certainly on his mind and, uh, and, and what he wants to do to get this racetrack back to, uh, you know, it, it, it's not that there was anything wrong with it, but, but, but he certainly wants to get it back to, you know, family-friendly and get that younger generation to come inside Indianapolis Motor Speedway. I'm about to pull into the parking lot here, so let's see if this guy will let me in without a parking pass, even though I'm in the suite. So 
You might want to keep talking for a minute here, Tom, and see if I can talk right, my way. Um, talk my way in here without a parking pass. <laughs> I want I want to hear the argument that you have with it, with the yellow shirt there, you know. <laughs> oh, I thought you were waving me on. Hold on. I thought you were doing this. Oh, yes. Oh. oh. So I'm I'm in the I'm in the Holman Terrace here. I parked yesterday. <laughs> Thank you so much. Have a great day. All right, we're good to go, Tom. I'm I'm parked. You're I'll in. I'll be walking right. the track in two minutes, so we can continue All the conversation right. now. Hey, you know, one of the things that – big news that's about to happen here, and that's that uh, IndyCar Series, uh, Chevrolet and Honda are expected to announce their unified agreement uh, for, a, for the next series of what they call a generation engine. Uh, talk with what we know about that and how that's going to be uh, put together and what kind of improvements are made on that. Yeah, I, I just think that, you know, you, there's going to be a lot more money in the series for everybody as a whole if there's a third engine manufacturer, and I think a lot of this has to do with that. Um, I think you'll see maybe a Ferrari come in, but you got to be able to test. you got to be able to test together because at the end of the day, it's all about the fans, and the fans kind of run this sport, as you know, and you, we need to see more competition. We need to see more passing at the Indianapolis 500. We need to see more passing on some of these road courses. You know, I don't think you need to get – I don't think you need to get too gimmicky as far as, you know, hey, let's throw a yellow here and red flag this and have stage points and all that good stuff. But I certainly think that, you know, everybody needs to work together, all hands on deck, to be able to, um, you know, get this competition level the way it needs to be, it used to be. Because we saw great racing back, you know, five, six, seven years ago when we had that kind of aero kit. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens here. So. Uh, you know, it, when everybody's working together, it's unified. It's on the same page. There's no extra money here spent or extra money there spent. So um, you kind of like to see that. Well, I appreciate you joining us. Uh, Tony Donahue, you're going to get podcast. I know you got to get into the tractor. So quickly, though, have charges Talladega. Any thoughts on that? Uh, I'm ready to go. I love Talladega. Uh, I've been there many times. Uh, you know, we'll see if Chase Elliott can stay up front. What I like about it is anybody can win. And I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with my uh, my usual bet that I do for every every restrictor plate, and that is Michael McDowell to finish in the top ten, top five, and to maybe win. So there's great odds on him. You can get him at probably 3.5 to four to one to finish in the top ten, and he always has a good chance to do so. Tony, we appreciate you joining us. Enjoy your day out the track, and uh, we'll be seeing what happens as it as it unfolds today. Sounds good. Take care, Tom. Thanks. Bye bye. Tony Donahue, the Tony D podcast, joining us, calling us from the Indianapolis Motor Speedway as he goes into the track. And uh, certainly, you know, again, not the way that we would like to see it, but we do have uh, fans in the stands, roughly 10,000 people. And watching that race yesterday, I mean, 10,000 seems like a really big number. Uh, and it, it's a number that I'm happy that we're able to get to. But 10,000 people inside the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, it looks like there's five people there. And But I'm glad that fans are able to get out there, uh, certainly enjoy the road course race. Um, and we'll see what happens today with Scott Dixon, Colton Herta. See what happens with Joseph Newgarden. They're getting ready to start qualifying. So we'll, we'll see how all of that uh, 
comes together, and we'll be certainly uh, following it on our social media. My name is Tom Mark with El Presidente. Take a break. We'll be back here in about a, uh, five or ten minutes. We'll be ha- talking with uh, Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, um, and uh, SI.com and our official NASCAR contributor. My name is uh, Tom Marquez L. President Bay, 917-889-8516 is our digits. We'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network. I'm at a party I don't want to be at. And I don't ever wear a suit and tie. I'm wondering if I can sneak up the back. Nobody's even looking me in my eye Can you take my hand, finish my drink, say shall we dance? Hell yeah, you know I love you, did I ever tell you? You make it better like that Don't think I fit in at this party Everyone's got so much to say yeah. I always feel like I'm nobody mm. Who wants to fit in anyway? Cause I don't National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm laughing. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. Morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mace. Ow, that went in my eyes. 
It's called Beauty Sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA Sultan mattresses. IKEA, love your home. Hi, this is a good one, kind of groovy. Marcusel Presidente. Uh, I'm not sure if Steve Wilson's going to join us, but we're going to keep on rolling on. Uh, certainly talking with Tony Donahue from the Tony D podcast, talking with us a little bit about what's going on at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Uh, we've got the Harvest, the inaugural uh, Harvest GP uh, out at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, the first October race ever at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And so we had some great results yesterday. Joseph Newgarden gets his very uh, uh, first win at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, certainly cutting into that lead with Scott Dixon. Scott Dixon, Joseph Newgarden, uh, Colton Herta, Pata Award, and Will Power all round out the top five and standings as we uh, roll into uh, the, the, the Harvest GP uh, weekend. And we'll see what happens. We'll see what Scott Dixon's able to do there. Qualifying just now getting – underway and so we'll see who gets the p1 position uh there as well for for this afternoon's race at the, out at the indianapolis motor speedway it's great to see that that uh, we have fans out there and so i'm really excited to, to see how today's race plays out yesterday was a great race and uh, looking forward to an, another uh race today out at the indianapolis motor speedway in the ntt indycar series also nascar in action out at talladega and certainly it doesn't get any bigger or any better than Talladega. And uh, I know that's where Steve's at. And so he's probably called up and, and not able to, to join us. We'll be be joining by Ed Kratz here momentarily uh, from uh, uh, be writer for the Philadelphia Eagles and SI.com, our official NFL contributor. And in the first hour, we had Mo from the BS Sports Show, Rick Lamb. I mean, yeah, Scott Lamb and Rick Reagan. On to break down our, our college football hour as it returns uh, to uh, the balance uh, radio waves, if you will. And we broke down our, our games of the week, and we've got all of those picks uh, for our, our games of the week anyway. Uh, we will have up on our, our social media if it's not up yet already. And, you know, we had a great conversation about some, some really good games, and certainly we talked about Florida and South Carolina, West Virginia and Baylor. Iowa State and Oklahoma, Kansas State and Texas Tech, Bama and Texas, TCU and Texas, and Georgia and Auburn. And I think a lot of us went with Auburn, uh, except uh, for Rick Brigham, and he he's decided to go with uh, Georgia on that. I believe that was his. Uh, but we, we'll have the picks up <clears throat> on there. Everybody will get to have uh, their their uh, bragging rights. We certainly welcome to hear from you. 917-889-8516 is our digits. We'll be right back right here. On the Balance Radio Network, we'll get this NFL talk underway. Yeah, I'm going to take my horse to the old town road. 
SI.com, our official NFL contributor. Sir, how is you? Uh, I is good, Tom. I'm doing good. The weekend's here, baby. <laughs> yeah, but you haven't caught that virus yet, have you? <laughs> it's above my pay grade, around. man. It's above... <laughs> yeah. That's too too high above my pay grade. Oh, man, I'll tell you what. If the president can get it, anybody can get it, right? So. <laughs> uh, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. it's crazy. It's like... Go ahead. No, I was going to say, and not just him. I mean, everybody seems to be getting it around the White House, you know, uh, I don't know. I don't know. And in Tennessee, too, for the Titans, for that matter. Yeah. You know, uh, 16 of those players now, I think, or 16 overall have tested positive. So I don't I don't know what's going to happen in Tennessee if they're going to be able to play before before Halloween. You know, who the heck knows? Well, and we're seeing it happen in college also. Look, you know, look what's happening in Notre Dame. And, you yeah. know, we were just talking right. about the college football segment. So it's, it, you know, and I've got a, a co-worker of, of mine and, and him and his wife, both tested positive and they've got kids. So, I mean, it's, 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 it's crazy. They say that as, as uh, things, as the colder weather comes, it's going to, uh, we're going to see a spike in it. So I'm just ready for it to go away, man. Can't it just go away? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. I don't know what it's going to take to make it go away. A vaccine, I guess, but you know, we're, who knows when that's going to happen, but yeah, I, I don't know if there's any way to get rid of it. I don't know either, man, but I tell you what, when all this first started out, there were people like, oh, this will be over and done with in a couple of weeks. And I said, no, I don't think so. <laughs> when they start using words like pandemic, it's not something that goes away like uh, right away. So you got the you got the 49ers. You're on the road against San Francisco. I don't think you're, you're traveling with the team uh, this weekend, but uh, talk with us a little bit about what's going on there in Eagle Camp, and will there be fans out there in San Francisco uh, tomorrow night? I don't think they're allowed to have fans in California. Um, okay. You know, so no, there's not going to be any fans. and I'm not going to be there. I'm not getting on a plane and traveling across country for, you know, the inability to even go in the locker room afterwards. So um, I won't be there. The fans won't be there. And, you know, there's going to be a lot of players that aren't going to be there either, at least, you know, on the Eagles side of things. They're going to be um, without Deshaun Jackson. Again, he's hurt. He's got a hamstring problem. They're going to be without Alshon Jeffrey again, who has been practicing, but from his surgery like nine or ten months ago. Um, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, who really hasn't done much anyway since being drafted in the second round last year, he's doubtful. Um, Jason Peters, their left tackle, is questionable. Um, their cornerback situation is a mess. They're going to be without Avante Maddox and um, Trevor Williams, who was a backup to Avante Maddox. So they're both out. I don't know who's going to uh, start on the opposite side of Darius Slay. Uh, so the Eagles are a real mess. And then on the 49ers stamp, standpoint, at least they get George Kittle back. Uh, you know, he'll be a handful for them to stop. And they get Debo Samuel back. Uh, for the first time this year. So uh, they're getting healthier. They're not going to have their quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo. Nick Mullins is going to start. And, you know, their, their running back, Raheem Mostert, is out. And the running back that is available to them, Jarrett McKinnon's got to got to he's a little banged up. So who knows how effective he'll be. So, I mean, this is, you know, already in week four, both these teams are really going to be shorthanded. Well, it's going to be a good game. I know that uh, Vegas has the 49ers uh, to beat you guys by – uh, a touchdown, but let's talk a little bit about last week and that that tie with the Bengals. I mean, 
it's like it's not a loss, but it's not a win. What what's the what's the feeling in the locker room with the Philadelphia Eagles and just trying to get that first win? Yeah, I, I wish I could tell you what the feeling in the locker room was, but we're not allowed to be in the locker room. So you only get the players that the yeah, I mean you only get the players that the team makes available to you, and uh, obviously there's you know 30 people uh, getting the same player at the same time. So to get any kind of inside information to talk to a player one on one is it's impossible. So you really can't tell for sure. I mean. They're not players aren't going to come come out publicly and you know kind of rip Doug Peterson for punting in that game with 19 seconds left, you know, effectively sealing the tie. Um, you know, there was a lot of talk. I don't know how, how many people saw the end of that game, but the, it was in overtime, and the Eagles had a fourth and seven uh, at the 41 yard line of the of uh, Cincinnati, and they elected to try a field goal, so they lined up for a 59 yard field goal with 19 seconds to go. And one of the Eagles linemen jumps. <laughs> so that pushes it back fourth and 12 uh, would have made it a 64 yard field goal. Peterson decides not to either kick the field goal or try to make a fourth and 12 conversion, which is 19 seconds left. Neither team with any timeout. So he punts the ball away. Uh, he says in hindsight on Monday, he said in hindsight, I probably would have sent the offense back on and tried to, you know, maybe throw a deep pass or, you know, complete a short pass and pick up some more yards and turn the ball back. And at that point, Cincinnati would only have maybe, you know, 12 seconds left with no timeouts to try to get in field goal range, which would have been difficult. So the feeling to me is that, you know, you wonder if players are starting to think about that kind of stuff. You wonder if they're starting to think about Carson Wentz. I mean, he really hasn't played well. Are they kind of getting tired of watching his inaccuracies and his inability to complete, you know, very easy throws at times, uh, and lead this team to a win. So we're, who knows if that's what they're thinking. We're not in the locker room to talk one-on-one with any players to see what their mood is. But uh, it, to me, it's a concern. You know, you have a quarterback that's struggling. You have a coach that doesn't believe in his team uh, to convert, you know, a, a fourth and seven even before he even sent the field goal team out to try to 59-yarder. Um, and it, to me, it's just, you know, that all those things together – have this team where they are rightfully belong is at 0-2 and one heading to Sunday night against the defending NFC champs. Well, I can tell you one thing. I know just if I was to gauge strictly by social media, uh, the city of brotherly love was not showing very much love uh, for <laughs> uh, your coach or for the Eagles at all. And they're also starting to uh, wane a little bit on Carson Wentz and his accuracy issues Wait, what, do you, what do you think is the problem there? Is it maybe distraction? What's what's going on with COVID? Is it is it is it just is there just something that's in his timing? Um, what's going on with with Carson Wentz? Do we know what's going on with Carson? Wentz? I, and I had to bench him on my on my uh, fantasy uh, football this week. Man, I I decided yeah, to go ahead. I can't blame you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't blame you. And you wonder if the Eagles are going to do that eventually too. Uh, you know, I think he's got enough. You know, collateral built up, you know, through the years with the team. You know, obviously, uh, he's had good seasons. He's done very well in the past. So, they'll give him a long leash before they bench him. I, I can't blame you for showing no no confidence in him Sunday night. But, uh, you know, you look at – I mean, there's a lot of his own issues. And, and we've seen quarterback struggle. Donovan McNabb, I know there's been the case made this week. And in year five of McNabb, 
you know, he struggled. They got off to an 0-2 start, and then they ended up in the NFC Championship game. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen here in Philadelphia with Wentz. But, you know, I think a lot of it, too, Tom, has to do with his lack of weapons. I already mentioned Jackson's out. Jalen Rager, the rookie's out. He had thumb surgery last week. He's out till probably early November. I mean, his weapons going into this game, Dallas Goddard, their tight end, he's got a broken ankle. So his weapons at wideout are going to be a rookie, John Hightower. Greg Ward, who was on the practice squad until late last year, had a pretty good end of the season and has become his favorite target early this year. Uh, and then um, Deontay Burnett, who has caught four passes from Carson in the year and a half that he's been here as part of the practice squad mostly. So, I mean, that, those are his three receivers. It's almost like last year when he was down to practice squad players and he was able to put them on his back and take them to the NFC East title. Um, but now he doesn't have Goddard. His tight end is going to be Richard Rodgers as well as Zach Ertz, of course. But, you know, the 49ers are going to do their best to take Ertz away. And then Richard Rodgers is a guy who on Sunday against the Bengals caught his first pass in two years. So, you know, I mean, he's only 28, but he's just not used to being, you know, a big part of any game plan in the last couple of years. Uh, so I think a lot of it is his weapons. I mean, he just doesn't really have – he hasn't been able to build chemistry. They had one player – practice on Thursday who was a part of their 53-man roster at the receiver position, and that was Greg Ward. And then there were three other practice squad players that he was throwing to. I mean, how in the heck are you supposed to get on the same page uh, when you're so banged up like that? And I'm not saying that's an excuse, but I think it is one of the reasons that Wentz has kind of struggled uh, Mm -hmm. this season. And, you know, it's just – I just don't know how you can expect to kind of win games when you don't have the guys around you. Uh, to make the kind of plays you need to make. Well, I hope the Eagles uh, get a win uh, over the 49ers on the road, uh, certainly when there will be no fans there. And, and the same thing, we're going to go around the league now. We'll start with my my team, my Indianapolis Colts, are on the road to Chicago. The, uh, both teams know each other well through the coaching staff and, and obviously uh, the, the relationship that, that Frank Reich and, and – um, Nick Foles has. Nick Foles is now getting the starting quarterback position. Uh, uh, they benched uh, Mitchell Trubisky, uh, and so uh, he's he's on the bench. And the and it, you know the Colts are playing well. They're doing, but 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 what one could argue that says, hey, you know we beat two really bad teams and we got beat by a really bad team. Uh, so uh, with the Colts, the the confidence would be. To go and beat a 3-0 and team on the road uh, would be a huge confidence builder. And we look at these wins that Chicago's had. They've not been exactly pretty wins, but a win is a win. And right now they're 3-0. and And I think that'll go a long way with uh, Phillip Rivers and Colts fans uh, with Chicago on the road. Uh, what are your thoughts about that game? I mean, Indianapolis well, on the road to Chicago. Sorry. Yeah, no, that's, I don't know if there's going to be fans in Chicago either. I don't know what the fan situation is like, but, um, no, no fans are filled. Yeah. I I mean, you know, when you go on the road now in the NFL, I'm not sure how big of an advantage it is for the home team. I mean, I, I really don't. I mean, I've been to these two games in Philadelphia with no fans and it's, you know, it's almost like watching a practice. I mean, you almost have to self motivate. Yeah. There's, there's nothing, no energy to feed off of. Um, it's really, really, it's kind of weird. Uh, so I don't know how big of an advantage it is for a home team anymore. Even if you have a handful of fans, you know, 10,000 fans, maybe that's a slight advantage, but you know, it's still not what you're used to seeing. So uh, I, I no longer put any stock in home field being an advantage for anyone uh, in the league this year. So, 
you mentioned J- Jolly St. Nick there, Nick Foles. Mm-hmm. You know, we saw what he did in Philly. Philly seems to be the only place he can ever win games. You know, he kind of stumbled in St. Louis when the Eagles traded him to the Rams, who were in St. Louis at the time. He went to Kansas City. Andy Reid kind of re- reinvented his career and played back up to Alex Smith. And then he went to Jackson. He came back to Philadelphia, won the Super Bowl, and then he was off to Jacksonville where he went 0 4 as a starter. Um, you know, Foles to me is the ultimate relief pitcher. You know, he's great at coming in off the bench, but I think when you have to play him over an extended period, once you start seeing more tape on him, you pick up more tendencies. Uh, I think he gets exposed a little bit um, because he is limited in his skill set. But, you know, this is his first start in Chicago. Frank Reich knows him very well. Like you said, he was his OC when the Eagles won the Super Bowl in 17. And, you know, what Foles said during the week certainly drew a lot of attention in Philadelphia when he said Frank Reich was really the one coach who figured him out as a quarterback, um, you know, giving no weight to Doug Peterson at all in that sentence. But, uh, you know, Reich gets a lot of credit for what Foles did. So Reich knows Foles well, and that's a big advantage, I think, for the Colts. I mean, the Colts have the defense um, that can put the clamps on this Bears offense, and I, I like the Colts in this game. I think – you know, if you keep getting what you got out of Rivers last week, which is kind of a, you know, don't hurt yourself, don't turn the ball over situation. You know, you run the ball with Jonathan Taylor. You, you know, you mix that in enough. And, um, you know, the Bears have a good defense. It's not going to be easy. But I think the Bears, uh, I think the Colts can beat the Bears in this game just because I think Frank Reich has that familiarity with Foles and he knows what he does and uh, he's going to take that away. Well, let's not forget who the defensive coordinator is for the Chicago Bears. It's the one Chicago, uh, Chuck Magano, who uh, obviously was at, at the helm of, of, the, of the Colts for several years uh, prior to Frank Reich. So both teams know each other well. And they're close proximity geography, so there's not a lot of travel time for the Colts. Uh, so anyway, we'll, we'll see what happens. But I, I, I think that it, it'll be a huge win for the Colts to go on the road and, and beat a a, a, a three and O uh, team. So we'll certainly uh, fingers crossed there. The saints go into Detroit against the lions. Uh, what are your thoughts on this? I'm really liking the saints this year. I think a lot of people like them for a Super Bowl champion. Uh, but uh, what are your thoughts? The saints and the lions. Yeah. Well, you know, everybody talks about Carson Wentz's struggles, but you know, Drew Brees has kind of been uh, struggling himself there. You know, I mean, I think he really misses uh, Michael Thomas his wide receiver. Who's out again this week. Um, you know, I, and, and it just seems like things are very dysfunctional there too. You know, they bring Tayshawn Hill in and, you know, he makes a mistake. He'll fumble the ball away. Um, but, but Breeze really makes this team go. You don't know if it's all Michael Thomas or if it's just the fact that he's, I think, what, 41 now. Uh, he knows this is going to be his last season. Maybe he's putting some, uh, some undue pressure on himself, but, uh, the Saints look kind of like a mess to me and Detroit had that big win last week. Uh, out in Arizona, um, making that field goal, I think, right, with no time left. Matt Prater hit the 40-yard field goal or so that won the game. Um, that was a nice win. You know, it was a win the Lions and their coach, Patricia, really needed. So, you know, they're they're playing with confidence. Uh, they're playing with momentum off of last week's win. The, the Saints, like I said, I mean, Alvin Kamara, you can't have a better game than what he had in, you know, in New Orleans last game, and yet they still lost. So, um, the Saints have some issues, so the Lions could be seeing them at the right time, and it wouldn't surprise me to see uh, Detroit come out uh, and even their record at 2-2 two and, two and, and beat the Saints. So the Chargers are on the road across country uh, to Tampa Bay and uh, Tom Brady and his and, and the Buccaneers there. And 
how, how, how would we grade the divorce going right now between Bill Belichick and Tom Brady? Who's winning the divorce? <laughs> I think both teams are two and one. I think right. I think New England's yeah. two and one, and Tampa's two and one. So you know, right now it looks like a fifty-fifty split. Um, you know, Brady. I mean, had a good week last week. You know, beating the Broncos. Uh, you know, he, he looked pretty darn good. I think his passer rating was, you know, like 115 and uh, threw for almost 300 yards and three touchdowns and, and played well. And Gronkowski got a little bit more involved. You know, there was the big talk that he had only been targeted four times in the first uh, two games. And last week he comes out and I think had led the team in targets with seven, had six catches, uh, 50 yards or so, I think a little less. Um, Chris Godwin is, was healthy, uh, and he was a target. So, you know, Tampa is a team that is going to be reckoned with, and um, so is New England. So this this divorce thing between Brady and, and Belichick, I mean, this is going to be a season-long saga to see how it, it all works out. But, uh, you know, I think the Chargers, they had a bad loss last week. I, I, can't, I, I can't remember who they lost. They lost to your Panthers, I think, right? The Chargers? Yeah, um, yeah that's right. Yeah, that that's a bad loss, I think. Um, so these teams look like they're heading in different directions. You know, when I say I don't put a lot of stock in the home and away thing, it is you do have to consider that longer plane ride that the Chargers are making all the way down to the west coast of Florida. Um, so that's, you know, that plays into it a little bit. Um, same with the Eagles having to make that long trek across to San Francisco, you know, that long plane ride and the time difference can sometimes mess with you. Um, so I, I think, you know, I don't think the Chargers have too much of a chance here. Um, I just think they look like two teams heading in different directions, and, and the Bucks are going to find a way with Tom Brady to win the game. So, you know, here's the, the other thing to, to think about when, when teams travel, adding to everything else when they travel. They, they have to bring thousands of wipes and, ma- and hundreds of masks additional staff members to, to, to help monitor uh, their, their, their situations and their team and certain guidelines that have to take place. How, how do you think that this COVID, this everything that we're going through right now affects the travel of a team? Because it's certainly things are a lot different than what they, they were in the past. Yeah. I mean, you know, you can't, Doug Peterson was asked about that and he said, we're basically bottling up, our bubble and putting it on a plane. Um, I heard they're taking two planes, you know, to socially distance. Now they're using two planes. I've heard players are going to start getting their own hotel rooms. Um, You know, they're not even rooming with each other. And then of course, when you get into your hotel, you can't go anywhere. You know, you're stuck with whatever, you know, television or whatever you do to occupy your time as a, a, you know, 20 something foot NFL football player. Maybe you're playing video games or you're on your phone I don't know, but you, you can't go out to dinner with your teammates. You can't really bond or have that camaraderie that, you know, teams that really helps teams sometimes on the road in the past, you know, when you can get out there and just be with your guys and go out to dinner and, you know, 30 member dinner parties and rookies are paying and all that fun stuff. I mean, you sure. can't do that. So, you know, that is a big impact on, on that, uh, you know, on the camaraderie and the team bonding and the chemistry and all that stuff. And, um, to have to just sit around in your hotel room while you wait for kickoff. I mean, I know you're doing virtual meetings and you're, you know, you're doing that stuff in your hotel room. You're not even going into conference rooms, really, I don't think. 
Uh, if you are, you're, you're doing it in small groups and you're wearing your mask and your, your shields and your gloves, whatever you need to do to stay healthy. Um, but that's so different than what they're used to. So yeah, that, that, that's a big impact. That plays a big role for a traveling team to have to, to do that because they're not in a familiar surrounding. They're, uh, they're not around their teammates. They're, they're isolated. Uh, and, and that, you know, who knows how players are, are able to deal with that. So I watched uh, the Hard Knocks, and I don't know if you've had a chance to watch it yet, uh, and, and they featured the Chargers and the Rams, and certainly how they were dealing with COVID in the, in the preseason. It was really kind of interesting to see the behind-the-scenes look, you know, that, that, that Hard Knocks does a great job of doing. Uh, you know, not a lot of drama this year because <laughs> there's not a lot going on, but it really did give a good idea and a good sense of how the, the NFL teams are handling uh, the the, the uh, uh, COVID-19 uh, pandemic. So I would encourage anybody to watch that Hard Knocks. I know it's streaming now off of HBO. You can get it. Um, but the yeah. Jaguars well, – go ahead. That's, I was just going to say that's going to be a good line of questioning that I'm going to pursue next week with the Eagles is how did – this is really their first trip. You know, they, they went to Washington, but that's, you know, kind of a train slash bus ride uh, right down the road, you know, two hours so, uh, you, you know, I'm going to pursue that. Like, how, how did that impact them? How were they uh, able to handle that, you know, that, that growing stale thing? Hit, I mean, you know how it's like to travel when you're by yourself. I mean, it's no fun. You know, you're just sitting around your hotel room and, uh, oh, yeah. you know, it, it's no good. You know, you wonder how players deal with that. So that's, that's a good line of questioning that I'm going to get to next week, I think. Make sure you tell them that I told you to ask that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I will. I will. I will throw your name out there. <laughs> the Jags are on the road against the, the Bengals. Uh, Joe Burrow, uh, I'm starting him for the first time, my fantasy football. So hoping for good things and good numbers from him. Uh, but the Jags and the Bengals. Yeah, I, you know, I really like Joe Burrow. You know, I like he came in here, man, that, that guy's tough. I mean, the Eagles sacked him eight times. They knocked the wind out of him on one play and sent him to the sidelines, and he put his helmet right back on and came right back out. I mean, that guy is is really tough, and he made a great play that didn't count last week. I don't know. Again, I don't know how many people saw this, but, you know, he kind of rolled to his right, juked out one of the Eagles chasing him, spun around and ran toward the sideline, and then threw a strike about 25, 30 yards down the field. Perfect throw with a receiver that who's tippy-toed the out-of-bounds line. Uh, made the catch, but it was overruled. The Eagles challenged it that he went out and came back in, that kind of thing. So the play didn't count. But, man, I mean, I saw it, and it was a great play. And I like his toughness. I mean, I, I think this guy is going to be a special player in this league. You hope he can stay healthy, though. They really have to find a better way to protect him um, because he can't take eight sacks every week and expect him to be Superman and come back from those. So that's a little bit of a concern I have. But if you get a line in front of him, I mean, this guy I think is going to uh, you know, he's going to be the next star in this league. Uh, and Jacksonville, you know, the Gardner Minshew, Gardner Minshew show continues. That's hard to say, Gardner Minshew show. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's – I think he's starting down uh, in this game. And, uh, you know, very disappointing game, 10 days. You know, they've had 10 days off to think about, you know, their last game that they lost, disappointing fashion against the Dolphins. Um, so – Again, already, you know, is, is Jacksonville going to rise up and uh, show that that game was an anomaly and Minshew's really the answer, or is Burrow going to find his first victory? I, I like the Bengals. I, I like the way they play. I know they're 
you know, they're limited in some areas talent wise, but, you know, I like some of the rookies. I like the linebacker uh, core, the rookies, Akeem Davis Gaither and Logan Wilson. And I like Carl Lawson, their defensive end. I mean, they've got some pieces in place that um, I I could see them turning the corner uh, at some point this year, to be honest with you. And maybe it's this weekend. Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles and SI.com, our official NFL contributor. One more game I want to talk about, and that's uh, the other divorce party, uh, is uh, the Patriots against the Chiefs. One would argue that Patrick Mahomes is the next Tom Brady, if you will. Uh, So uh, what are your thoughts on the Patriots on the road out at Arrowhead against the Chiefs? Yeah, I mean, Mahomes is great, no doubt, but, you know – uh, to me, Russell Wilson's still the best quarterback in this league. And what Russell Wilson's doing is, you know, just stupendous. And if I know it's only three games in, but if he, you know, he's got to be the the front runner for the MVP. I know there's a lot of season left. Hopefully, if COVID doesn't have other ideas here, but um, yeah, I mean, Mahomes is fantastic. I mean, how do you stop that team? And Andy Reid, the you know the innovation that he's showing in his play calling, you know, had he shown that. You know, eight years ago when he was still in Philadelphia, he'd still be in Philadelphia, but, you know, things got stale here. And, you know, he's kind of reinvented and is, is putting new twists on some of the same plays that he's run for, you know, 20 years in the league coaching. So, uh, you know, I give great credit to him. I give great credit to Eric Bieniemy, the offensive coordinator. A lot of people say he'll be, you know, a, a slam dunk head coach here in the offseason. I hope so. You know, hopefully he gets a shot. Um, but yeah, it, it's hard to stop that offense. And you know, New England obviously they're doing good things with Cam Newton. Bill Belichick is still a very, very good defensive mind. It's going to be fun to see if he can kind of find a, a way to to slow Mahomes. Um, not easy to do. Not many teams have done it. The 49ers did it in the Super Bowl for a little bit, but then in the second half, later in the second half, Mahomes broke loose. So to find a way to to stop him for all four quarters. I'm, I'm not sure there's been a team that's done that. Um, and now it's Belichick's turn to try to figure out how to do it. I don't, I don't think he will. I know Kansas city does allow some fans at Arrowhead stadium. Um, but you know, again, I'm not sure how big a factor that's going to be. Uh, but still, I think this is a big order for the Patriots and, you know, maybe Tom Brady gets a leg up here in the divorce proceedings. Um, <laughs> by beat. <laughs> you know, with Belichick, because I think the Chiefs are going to win this game. And we appreciate you joining us as always. Uh, go Eagles, go Colts, and have yourself a good weekend. Where can people find your working masterpieces, sir? Well, you follow me on Twitter, at Kratzee, K-R-A-C-Z-E, uh, or the uh, si.com uh, slash NFL slash Eagles. You can, you can find me there, too. So I uh, appreciate the time, Tom. Thanks a lot. Enjoy the games this weekend. Yes, sir. Thank you. You have a good weekend. Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles and SI.com, our official NFL contributor. Thank you to Rick Reagan, Scott Lamb, and Mo from the BS Sports Show for getting our college football hour uh, kicked off and, and rocking and rolling. We got all of it. We'll have all the games uh, and picks up on social media, and we'll allow uh, well, everybody to have their, their uh, bragging rights. Tony Donna here with the Tony D Podcast joined us from the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Talking about the Harvest GP and just saw what Will Power won the uh, G, uh, uh, Harvest GP uh, P1 position for today. So we'll see what kind of advantage that gives him on the road course out at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles and SIE.com, our official NFL. My name is Sean Mark with Stone Drinker Drive. It ain't cool. I'm out of here. Deuces.
Join us next week for The Balance. In the meantime, check us out on Twitter, T-Balance, or Facebook, The Balance, or online at www.thebalanceonline.com.